so before we before we start before we actually yep. start the podcast okay um a couple things that I, I want to want to mention so the the last episode's intro music oh yeah was um was from the uh, the first keyboard that we ever owned which was the casio um whatever it was called the casio ctk80 now my dad found it <laughs> in the shed he just found it he found it in the shed and i was like oh can i have it so i've got it here <laughs> oh my god oh heck I'm crash bang wallop don't destroy your room callum I ignore those things anyway so yeah um <laughs> so good um the sounds on it are amazing has it got the dj button or is it too it doesn't no this DJ is button? very this is ancient absolutely ancient um hold on let me find because the dj one. button was like a late 90s early 2000s dj 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 come on um okay so I thought I thought what I thought what I'd do is we'd play like just a quick little game. Okay. Called Guess the Instrument. Oh god. So Okay, I'm up for this. I'm up for this. Okay. Let's go with number forty nine. That's the noise the buttons make by the way. Doop doop. Is it an ocarina? It is not an ocarina. Stop breaking oh, things. Oh, it's because I got the cable running over there. That's why things are falling <laughs> over. I was like, why did that happen? I've got a ghost. Anyway. Is it panpipes? No. That is what indeed. Is it? Number 49 is a clarinet. <laughs> it sounds like an ocarina to me. Um. But that may just be because it sounds very similar to the Legend of Zelda. Like the Ocarina of Time ocarina. Okay, let's go with number 15. I think. I may be remembering that wrong. That sounds exactly the same. <laughs> it does. Um, so that's the ocarina sound. That's the... Well, yeah. Of course it sounds exactly the same because that's an ocarina sound. Okay, we'll do one more. It's a, a trombone. It's not a trombone, no. What is it? Um, that was an. <laughs> what the heck? That was that was an oboe. Doom. The oboe. Callum, they all just they all just sound like the same instrument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Uh... Do you know what's weird is see when you were talking about old keyboard music. Uh huh. Um, I had this. It wasn't mine. It was Elena's. Uh, Elena comes up a lot on this podcast. We should invite her as a special guest. We actually should. Um, she had this keyboard when we were kids, and I don't know whether it was like a just cheap old brand or whether it was a Casio or a Yamaha, whatever it was. But it was like one of those tiny, tiny kids' keyboards. You know the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know what you mean. Tiny keyboards. Um, and it played this tune. And it's been stuck in my head since I was a little kid and I didn't know what keyboard it was. I didn't know what tune it was either. I didn't know if it was an original tune or whether it was, you know, because sometimes the demo on the, the keyboard is like, you know, a song that they've lifted from somewhere else. Because there was keyboards in the 80s that had um, 
wake me up before you go, go. Yeah. Um, as the demo. So I didn't know. Um, and it got stuck in my head for ages. And then Stuart was watching this. It's this specific kind of choir that sings, like, really dumb with their mouths. Like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And apparently it's some kind of traditional singing. I don't know. But they were playing the tune, the demo tune, from this keyboard that Elena had when we were kids that I hadn't heard since. <laughs> and I was like, Stuart, what is that? And he's like, it's just a meme. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you have to tell me that and he didn't know the name of the song and I spent the entire day figuring out what that tune from that one YouTube video meme thing is. Oh, no. <laughs> I found out. It's called uh, Moscow Nights. Moscow Nights. Uh, I, I might need to look that up and save that for later. Um, Moscow Nights. It's like an old Russian tune from the 50s. And it's not as cool <laughs> as the keyboard sound was. Because <laughs> the thing was, with the keyboard demo, they'd taken that tune and they played it on, you know, silly keyboard noise. <laughs> if that's what you call it. I don't know what you would call it. But, you know, sort of really electric sounding. And it was um, sped up slightly as well. Mm-hmm. So the original uh, Moscow Nights tune is quite slow, um, but it was nuts because I I'd, I'd been f- trying to figure out what that tune was forever, um, and it took me ages. So I was like really really pleased. Um, so memes aren't useless; they help you remember. <laughs> they help you. They help you remember. <laughs> <laughs> remember the days. The other thing I want to mention before we start is about my ridiculous mistake last week. <laughs> it wasn't that ridiculous. Like, I noticed it's it, but it wasn't that bad. It was within the the same sentence. Yes, I, I got a DS with Phoenix Wright on it. I bought Pokemon and Woolworths. And then I bought Phoenix Wright and Woolworths. <laughs> yes. I didn't... <laughs> I also don't know like the entire thing because I was trying to figure it out after I heard myself make that mistake because I was just like, hmm, that's that's not right. <laughs> that's just wrong. Um, but I think what actually happened was that I got the DS by itself and I didn't get a game with it and I bought Pokemon and Phoenix Wright and Woolies. Uh-huh. I think that's what but, happened. But that was the. I think that was the point of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it's still ridiculous that I can contradict myself like that. Um, without even realising. <laughs> like, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Don't don't change that for the world. Open your mouth and let your belly rumble. <laughs> <laughs> sums me up. It sums me up. So I can stand on mountains. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I guess we should probably start then. (laughs) Yeah, okay, let's start there. Welcome to the Inverous Podcast with Callum and Claire. Hello! You are listening to the Inverous Podcast. Episode Um, 2! Episode 2, we have made 2, well, we haven't made 2 yet. By the end of this, we will have made two. Yes. Um, I'm Claire. And I'm Callum. 
Yay! I'm actually quite excited. Tonight's beverage. Oh, yep. I have mine here. Yep, me too. Mine has been poured. Uh, we are drinking chili meat from the Lime Bay Winery. I, I've drank stuff by them before, like meats by them before, but yeah. I've never tried chili meat. So I'm the same. I've had the, their traditional one and I've had the, was it black cherry? I think, black cherry, like that. yeah. That was lovely. Uh, the other day I had, is it maniac mead? Maniac mead? I don't know. Maniac? I don't know how you say it. But I had that the other day. Um, and then I had tournament mead was the other one I Ooh. had recently. Yeah, it was good. Really, really good. Every mead I've had from them has been good. So So we'll find out with this I one. I have high hopes. Let's have our first sip. Let's do it now. Ah, here we go. Ooh. Ooh. That's nice. Oh, the spice hits. Oh, that's wow. So good. Okay. That's, that gives me very wintry vibes. Yeah, this would be really, really good when it's oh. like snowing outside or it's really icy. Oh, wow. And you just can't heat up. That's really good. That's That'll go good. lovely with the cheese. Oh, yes. We're having cheese this week. Um, I'll, I I'll might go... need to constantly mute my mic when I'm eating, but we do have cheese. Yes, we have cheese. Um, so, what I've got here. Well, we've got the same kinds of cheese, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I have um, the co-op's own irresistible Cuezo Manchego, PDO. Ooh. I don't know what PDO stands for, but it, it's that. I have generic French camembert. And... Uh, I don't... Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. No, I was going to say, I don't think you can call it my, uh, camembert unless it's made in Normandy. I don't know, though. I might be wrong. I have no idea, actually. I don't know. Anyway, what is your other cheese, Cal? Oh, my other cheese is strong cheddar uh, with chilies. Um, because there was no any other cheddars that wasn't just light cheddar and diet cheddar and low-fat. Gross, boring cheddar. Boring, cheddar. boring cheese. Yeah. Um. Well, I have little stick camembert. The one that comes in the little wooden box Ooh. in the supermarket the expensive one <laughs> like i wasn't allowed to eat like camembert cheese like i wasn't allowed to eat soft cheeses for nine months um oh, of course because i was pregnant for nine months shock so all this drinking alcohol and eating soft cheese it's um it's a novelty so i'm gonna spend money on that because i want to enjoy it that's fair um then i have sainsbury's own um, I think it's Sainsbury's Taste the Difference, Manchego. Okay. And then I have Sainsbury's Olive Kintyre Cheddar, which okay. is my favourite one that you can buy is in it? Sainsbury's. Mm, um, I don't think it's I tried it. really good. It's really, really strong, but it's creamy at the same time. Oh. It's nice and sharp, sharp and creamy. That's how I would describe it. It's really good. Sharp it's good and cheddar. creamy. Yes. Um, well... Now that you've sat through us talking about what we're eating and drinking, um, this week's topic is tabletop role-playing games. Yeah, I'm actually like D and D. Like, well, you can't you can't talk about tabletop RPGs without talking about D and D. What's the biggest one? Yeah, it's the one everyone's familiar with. Um, we I think we've had very very different first experiences with. D&D as a concept and as a game in general. I um, don't know even what your first experience with D&D &D was. I know. I, I know I know what yours what was, was and I know it's very different to mine. So <laughs> Well, 
you start then. Okay. I've never heard this story. Um, I was a young lad. Still am in my in my eyes. Um, and for Christmas, sit there, front of the fire, presents. Santa brought a good haul that year. I open this, and then there's this box, and it's Dungeons and Dragons, the board game. Now, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, the board game. It's very much not like D and D at all, other than there's, I guess, hit points, um, and you get a fighter and a wizard a druid and thief or rogue um i always called it a thief because i wanted to be a thief um various things so you got like pre-made characters essentially and on one side you'd have your hit hit point tokens um if you're a spellcaster you would have a spell point counter um so and you would you would cast spells by you'd get cards that had the spells on them and it cost two spell points or three spell points or whatever and then there would be all these modular boards that you just kind of stuck together, big just square things that you put together to make up the 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 map. And you'd you'd roll your movement dice, and you'd move, and you'd roll your like your attack dice would be a dice with a sword on it that, um, and one that had a miss on it. Um, if you hit it with the sword, you hit the thing, and if you missed, you missed. Um, stuff like that is really, really fine. I think sounds is quite, the best way to it describe sounds, it. Um, quite basic and um, kind of what you'd want for a little kid if. Oh, definitely. Had, like as an adult, if you had a kid and you wanted to try D and D with your kid and you'd never played D and D, that sounds like a really good idea. And the like, it comes with you know like pre-made adventures essentially, kind of like if you mm. buy like the the D the actual D and D like starter kit that comes with. Well, we have a D and D board game in the house. Um, it's a board game of Castle Ravenloft. Okay. Um, but we bought that. I don't even think we bought that. I think somebody gave that to us. I think my older brother gave that to us as a gift one year. Um, so obviously we could play it as a family at some time. We've never got around to playing it. Um, but it came with a bunch of minis. So, yeah. But I think it's similar to that. I think it's like, you know, quite a basic way of playing. D&D, uh -huh. but obviously you're playing through the Castle Ravenloft setting and that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it's it's well well thingied and, you know, like, it's it's well the same as any pre-made adventure, I guess. The little book tells you exactly what you need to say. Um, it does remove a lot of the... Maybe not a lot, but definitely some of the... the freedom of, well, I'm just going to do this. Um... Which is probably, I guess, a good thing if you're just starting out. It kind of you don't get option paralysis. You can do if you're the fighter, you can move, you can attack things, or you can. Think there's no like um, emphasis on the role play part. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so my first experience was this board game, uh, and then my friend got there was expansions for the board game, and my friend got that, and it had dragons in it and like big towers and stuff that you could add to the. There sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. Um, I think I've still got it sitting Loads up in a cupboard somewhere, actually. I'll need to dig it out. <laughs> um, my first experience of D&D... It's radically different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, my parents played D&D &D a lot before any of their kids were born. 
they would get together with their friends and play D and D. This would have been like late seventies, early eighties. Um, and I don't know if it was because they couldn't really do that so much anymore once they had kids. Um, but when I got to about the age of eight, uh, we played D and D as a family. Like, um, my dad was the DM, and me, my two big brothers, and my mum. We were the, the the player characters, um, and I played this mage. And I'm pretty sure her name was Rose. She was an elf mage, um, and I was eight, right? So <laughs> <laughs> the idea of role play, you know, it was just playing a game. You were playing pretend. You know, you're pretending to be this. Because I, I, when I was a very small kid, I very much had that. Oh well, I'm a mystical, magical, all powerful. Like I don't so much care about that now i really like the big strong smash smash bang bang characters you know like a barbarian or something yeah probably would suit i me think i was now. the i was kind of the opposite well not maybe not the complete opposite but i would always play uh either either like the fighter type or the the rogue type that was it that was my thing so i'm like i'm the rogue uh, or i'm the fighter because i'm like i'm either sneaking like whoa look at all my skills or I hit things and they die. Now, now I tend to lead more towards the, the caster types and the... Ooh. Mystical. Yeah. Mysticalness. I am... Um, and bards. This, this mage that I played... I don't remember if I played her well. I don't remember what spells she had. I don't really remember that much about it. Um, But I remember what the image I had in my head of her was this tall blonde-haired, absolutely stunningly beautiful elf woman. Totally mystical, totally cool. But ultimately, she had the personality of an eight-year-old. <laughs> so, she's this mage who's obsessed with getting more treasure than anyone else in the party. Must get more treasure. Must, must have all of the gold. And she wasn't very sensible. Like, no, most eight-year-olds aren't, so no, no, that's no. fair. <laughs> but there were a couple of occasions, um, probably more than a couple. Th the things I remember happening in the campaign, the first one, was we walked into this room and there was rubble on the other side of the room. And I was warned. Someone said, oh, be careful, there could be stuff hiding in that rubble. But on the other hand, I think, there could also be treasure in that rubble. There wasn't treasure. There was skeletons. Like, bad guy skeletons that came out and almost killed me. <laughs> I, I was see, rolling I think the keyword there is almost, though. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a healer in the party. It was fine. It worked out. I didn't die. That time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's how bad it was. It was like, I am the squishy mage. Like, squishy, squishy, awful, no hit points mage. I'm just going to go running in before anybody else gets there because I want the stuff. You're not having the stuff. I want the stuff. It's mine. Um, mm -hmm. And another incident that happened in the lead up to, I think, the last session that we played. I think it was in the last session that we played. Um, we were in this room and there was a desk and my character opened the drawer and in the drawer there was a ring. Um, and I put the ring on and it turned me invisible. It was an invisible ring. Not, you know, copying Lord of the Rings at all here. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I no, mean, it no, wasn't no, 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 no. like cursed or like tied to some evil dark lord or whatever, as far as I know. Um, and in a room nearby, we found this mirror that was like a, a mirror you could walk through. It was like kind of an illusionary wall or an illusionary mirror. It wasn't actually there. You could just walk through it. But it looked like a mirror, acted like a mirror. Um, and one of my brothers was like, hmm, why don't you give me that invisibility ring and I will walk through the mirror to the other side and see what's there. <laughs> I was not for parting with that ring. I was like, nope, nope. I say we just walk in. We're not getting my ring because you will not give it back. Obviously. Why shouldn't I keep it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so this, this, you know, beautiful elven mage who's like just secretly Bobo Baggins. <laughs> or Gollum. But um, no, so I didn't give the ring over and we decided all to go in at once. Which was fine, you know, there wasn't an ambush waiting or anything. What we did find on the other side of that mirror, however, was a room with five tables and each table had a box, like an ornate, beautiful box. And mm -hmm. again... For anyone who's played D&D, I think, knows what's what's coming at the end of the... Yeah! Um, <laughs> I was eight, though. I had never played D&D. Um, and my character, obsessed with getting more treasure than everybody else, sees these boxes. Ooh, treasure chest. And I walk right up to one of them. I don't know which one. I was eight. I don't remember. <laughs> Open it up, stick my hand in, and hundreds of hands come out and start trying to pull me into the box. And I was traumatized. <laughs> like, uh, I don't remember if my character died there. Um, but I do know that was the last session that we played. Because I freaked. I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, but that was my first ex experience of D&D. And it wasn't... Like, I think at the time that we were playing, it would have been like 1997. So I don't actually know what editions of D&D were out at that time. But I mm. know for a fact that we were playing a D&D. Because that is what my parents played yeah. way back when. And that is what they had. And that is what they ran. Um... And the monster manual, it wasn't a monster manual, it was uh, the monstrous compendium. And it came in a yeah. ring binder. And on the front, there's this beholder, this like awful, disgusting, scary beholder. And I love that design of the beholder. Like they changed it further on down the line. It wasn't like pink and gross uh -huh. looking like skin. Oh, um, but I kind of miss the old gross one. I really, really do. Yeah. We need to find, like, see if we can track down the book, to be honest, because it is, the art in it's great. Oh, it's lovely. Um, really, really cool. I think I have, I think I have the AD&D Monster Manual. Mm. Um, and, like, the, the, some of the, just, like, the draw, it's, essentially you go through it and it's basically just sketches of the, of the, of the creatures, but the cover art always has a really awesome detailed thing on it. So I think on this it's, like, a, I could probably go get it, but, you know, big, big, muscly, orcish looking thing with, like, a hammer or something. Mm. Um, but some of the doodles are crazy. You're looking at going, somebody drew this. Yeah. Um, this came out of someone's mind. and For sure. Some of them are horrifying. Like the beholder. That beholder, like the beholder. looks disgusting. Yeah. It looks like, um, I don't know, skin that shouldn't be there. All covered in eyes and this really angry face and all those little teeth. Oh, like needles. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was my first experience of D&D. And it's weird because... Kind of like what we were talking about last week with War of the Worlds. 
that experience has stayed with me <laughs> and I wouldn't say it was pleasant at the time. Like I enjoyed playing D&D up to the point where that had happened. Um, mm -hmm. And it's certainly not something I think that I would put in a game for my eight-year-old. But I think that's part of why the interest in tabletop role-playing games kind of stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So my next question then, um, because I know um, I've, I've, I've played the, the board game and then I got, um, I think a few years later, I got the 3.5 mm. um, player's book in the Dungeon Master's Guide. But I didn't have anyone to actually play with, so I just sat and read these things and made characters for years, and Aww. that was it. That was my that was my D and D experience. So I fell out of like ever actually playing D and D for ages. Um, how long did was it before you would like after like that sort of time when you stopped playing with your family? How long before you like picked it up off your own? I own pray. Back? I prayed. <laughs> I never prayed. I prayed. I wasn't a cleric. Um, no, I. <laughs> I. Played briefly in high school, um, mm -hmm. but it was very difficult to find people who wanted to. Yeah, because I was in high school between. Obviously, if you're not Scottish and you're watching this, high school like is six years <laughs> in the UK. Well, I don't know about England either. Scotland six years. High school is six years. Uh, so I was in high school between like two thousand and one to two thousand and seven. So D and D wasn't really a a popular thing you know there no. were people who liked it there were people who were willing to try it and they were all nerds um and i pl I played briefly with some people um but it never lasted yeah and it was kind of the same with me as well i think um, none of us were good dms i was the only one at that time who had previous experience mm -hmm. but that was from when i was eight <laughs> and <laughs> i didn't know what i was doing um so yeah and then i played vampire once um <laughs> but a bit like you it was like i was at home mostly like i did play a bit but i was at home mostly just reading through books and you know um it was my big brother's books as well so it wasn't like i got the opportunity to look at the books yeah you can sit down and sift through them at like your own yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it was 3.5 that they had because my eldest sibling was going to run a campaign of D&D for me and my brothers. Oh, okay. Um, and I think he got really annoyed at me because I wanted to play. I was like 14. And I was still in that like, oh, fantasy. Oh, I'm so mystical. Oh, I'm so cool. Um, which isn't what I'm like now. Like when I look back at Not the characters at that I was like interested in back then, it's like so far away. Um, but that's fine. You know, that's just who I was at the time. But uh, he kind of didn't want to run it because, uh, in part, my character was awful. Uh, I made this, like, druid elf um, called Infinity. Um, I think I just oh watched God. The Matrix. Oh like, <laughs> uh, And I wanted her to have blue skin. Oh, and my he was just like, no, 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 you're not doing that. Like, obviously, my oldest sibling is four years older than me so i'd have been like 14 he would have been like 18 like just about to leave school like nah i'm not playing in this game with you like <laughs> so that never happened uh, but i think that was the one time i was able to look through the player's handbook for 3.5 like in any depth mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. And then I went a really long time without playing at all. Um, I moved out, and some of the friends I, I have, because um, I mostly have the same friends, like, that's relatively stayed the same since I was about 18, 19. Um, but a lot of the friends that I have, you know, they expressed an interest in playing, but it never really went anywhere, and it was never um, really anything until... I played in that Star Wars game. Mm. I met a mutual friend uh, who I hadn't seen in a very long time and he invited me to play in his Star Wars game that he had going on. Um, and that kind of opened hundreds more doors because obviously, thanks to, I think, the internet and streaming and the fact that there are so many D&D campaigns that you can tune into online and other systems yeah. too. There's been a resurgence in the popularity of role playing games, and I think that's great. It's been it's been really good. I think the um, because yeah, we were we were the same when I was um, in school. We I think we managed to play twice with a group of people. A friend was decided he was going to run a game. I think it was a Pathfinder at the time, and um, we got through two sessions, and then you know we had ten people who were kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I'll give it a bash. And then there was me and him. <laughs> uh, so that just never happened after that. Um, and then uh, I didn't really, like, I just ignored, like, role-playing games in general, just, like, tabletop stuff until I think I I'd just left for college. And I met up with a friend, Shoris met up with Shoris and we went to the his his uni were having a big sort of gathering of the nerds yay nerds and what essentially happened was there was a role-playing um like group you signed up on the sheet and someone would run you a one-shot and like you know for like a couple hours and then they would move on to the next people and what we ended up playing was a sort of loosely based on vampire um with like the dice pools and stuff and they had a bunch of like pre-made characters and there was a dragon and they were really interesting there's a dragon there was a swarm of rats so you could split yourself up into little sections of rats okay um, <laughs> uh, shores played that um our mate duffy who had no interest in doing it but he came along anyway because he had nothing else to do <laughs> ah, you he went as the dragon <laughs> Um, and then there was like, you know, a typical fighter, a wizard type thing. Uh, and the one that I chose, which was called Sorrow, um, which was a giant um, moth that um, like had sort of like magic, but its magic was based on um, the sorrows of the the people you were trying to cast spells on. So you'd have to, the The way it worked is that you had to justify that a spell would work based on the character you're trying to affect. Right. And I was like, I want to be that one. And the guy looked at me and was like, nobody ever chooses that one. Okay, interesting. And it's a really, it was a really simple plot. It was, you know, um, you need to go and defeat the evil wizard or whatever at the tower, which is over here. 
you start all the way over here um you've been given this quest as a mission or whatever and um i think it was the first time where i just like where the rp part just clicked for me yeah yeah um because before that like it was like right i have uh, all these abilities i roll dice and i kill things i um well for one what happened was we, we basically spent like an hour and a half um so like half our allotted time not leaving the starting zone just talking to everyone oh and trying to work God, out like Callum. strategies and stuff um honestly and uh and um we'd like ultimately find out that the evil wizard had like this the this lover that they're not allowed to be with um and that's the reason why he's like destroying everything and being and we're like oh he's not such can a bad guy can i just guy. ask like was this a you know published thing or was it something the guy made up the guy just coming out this guy's head right because okay. um, it reminds me a lot of uh, grant how it's one page rpgs i mm. think i mentioned that before because i played one at nine worlds two years ago um the last nine worlds uh, it might come back one oh. day who knows but um because it was the same as that you know you went up and you signed up and i played one i can't remember the name of it but you were all playing as uh the familiars of this witch who had died okay yeah, yeah. but the page literally had oh you're a magpie you could be a cat you could be like a bunch of other stuff and i went for the magpie and then you roll like i think it's like a 1d10 or something or a 1d6 to see what your spell is and everyone gets mm -hmm. one spell, and that's all the spells you get for the whole game. Oh, okay. And the spell that my magpie got was Conjure Dinner. Um, <laughs> and it was a shame because two of the people left the table without saying anything and didn't come back. And the person running it had never run an RP before. Mm -hmm. uh, so I felt really bad for them. So I was like, Aww. well, I'm sticking around, and I'm going to give this, like, the full attention and mm -hmm. enthusiasm uh, so i tried to just make everybody laugh i was like conjuring dinner on guards heads i was conjuring dinner basically anywhere that there was an opportunity and they'd be like oh well okay what what dinner do you conjure and it was like oh spaghetti bolognese or like a big giant steak or it was just good i liked it um mm -hmm. and i actually had fun even though as i said people were leaving the table very rudely, don't do that. Unless yeah, there's an don't emergency, just walk out. don't just leave. Mm -hmm. And if there is, just go, oh, sorry, I have an emergency to deal with. Bye. You know? Yeah. And people will understand. Don't be that guy. Um, in the one that in the one that we did, there was actually it got pretty hectic with them. So Shoris would split up. The plan was we would like Shoris would send part of herself uh, over to scout something out, but they got captured. Um, but because it was a swarm of rats, um, it was fine because it still had like a percentage of the overall health of the rats. Oh my god! Um, and so what Shorest asked was, what percentage exactly is this like set of rats compared to me? He's like, I don't know, like ten percent or whatever. And Shorest was like, I don't want them to get the information. So, what do I need to roll if anything to? start eating myself and you're like wait what oh uh, yep God. yep my oh my, my um third of my rats uh they all like just start eating each other um until i guess there's one rat left and it just i guess dies somehow um 
it was horrifying. I've never been like, ah, for something that didn't actually <laughs> happen in real life ever. Um, RP's great, man. It's great. Um, and you know, we did all this like, what what the the guy running it was expected us to do was get the ja- get the dragon, which has you know a million like damaged breath or something stupid fly over and just set fire to the tower um and what we ended up doing is poor duffy you didn't do anything because i walked down up to the wizard and i was like right i'm going to go into this wizard's brain and convince convince the wizard that the person um that you can't be with um it's not the fault of the village it's actually the fault of the person so i want that person i want the wizard to feel resentment for the lover and the so it ended up like and um, you had to you got a bunch of like you know ability like not abilities but ability scores for stuff and what you would do is uh, anytime you can like incorporate that into what you're trying to do you add another dice to the pool um and roll the dice rolled really well so what we did is essentially went into his brain and his brain was this giant library and i walked about and i got this um like just a piece of paper um, and wrote out the scenario and just slotted it in like the the bookshelf in between like the books that are based on the the lover and then the books that are based on the town and put it right in the middle there and then he went Oh, and then he just puffed into a big thing of smoke and disappeared, and that was it. <laughs> Amazing. So that was that was my reintroduction into role playing games at college. That's so good. Um, That's like a really good reintroduction. Oh, that was amazing, and I was super hyped for it. And then uh, I went to college, and nobody wanted to play D anD. d So I didn't play anything again until way after where. Uh, I think the next game that I played in was actually with you in the um the one that lasted like four sessions or whatever. Oh, the Genesis game. Genesis, that's the one. Yeah. Um that runs on the same dice system as the Star Wars games, mm. like the current Star Wars RP uh systems. Um I don't mind that system. I think you just need to cuz it's all narrative. The, the dice is like successes and failures and stuff like that. But you have to come up with what that success was or what that failure was or why you succeeded and something bad happened, if you know what I mm-hmm. mean. Yeah. Um, And that's fine. But everybody needs to be in that mindset and the DM needs to be good at that. Yeah. Because um, it's very much like, you know, you get different DMs who are good at different stuff and you have to find what suits you. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Mm. Um, uh, I was actually I was talking to my flatmate about this. Um, he's been he got into a, a game, and um, he was like, ah, I don't think I, I don't think I, I don't think I like it. And then he played a different game with different people, and he was like, I get it. Mm. Well, that's this all makes it takes. So, so much more sense, and it just takes like the right group. But also, you can have like the right person running the game, but you can also have just a really crappy yeah, and group. the wrong people to play with. Um, or the wrong system for mm. those people. I am a strong believer that there is a right group and a right system for everyone. Like, everyone. Even people that would never dream of playing these games. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think you'd ever convince some people, but 
genuinely think oh, that no. there are there is something for everyone in the land of tabletop role playing games, um, and that's part of the the joy of it, really. Because um, I've played systems that I really don't like. Like I've tried to play Dungeon World a few times uh-huh. um, with different groups of people, different DMs, and I've never enjoyed it. <laughs> it's not that I've never enjoyed it. You can enjoy it. You can enjoy a system despite not really clicking with the system. Um, yeah, and I'll get onto that uh, with Starfinder in a bit, but um, yeah, like the the when when we played Dungeon World, um, I enjoyed the collaborative world world building at the start, and then the actual game was like, ah, I don't care about this. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think there's an element of. Because with Dungeon World, I feel like making a character is very much a tick box exercise, and it's great if you're running a one shot. Oh yeah, definitely. Fantastic if you're running a one shot that you you're just like you don't really care about these characters too much, you know, or you you just want to try a, a character concept, maybe not a class, but oh well, I want to try and play someone who's a bit more timid than the last character I played, or I want to try uh-huh. someone who's really charismatic, um, and it's really good for that. But definitely, I just. Um, but that's not to say it's a bad system. No, it, it's not. It's just not a system that I immediately think of when I go, oh, great RP system. Yeah. Um, um, and obviously 5e is great. 5e has become my favourite D&D. Yeah. Because uh, 3.5 was up there I was for always a, very a 3.5 long time. baby, even though I only played one game in it. Um, because, oh. well, because I had the books. and You I spent so long in your bedroom reading it. Reading it and going characters. through it and like, making yeah. characters and coming up with, well, well, if I was running a game, what would I do? Um, um, I actually bought... I've never played more than, I think, 10 sessions in 3.5, but I still like it. Like, I still think it's a really good system. I think we should do that one day. Just, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Sack it. We're, we're running 3.5, and then we'll like sit there and look at some of the inconveniences and be like... Why did we agree yeah, to but... do this again? <laughs> I mean, 5e has the same thing, but with less steps. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um... I mean, it's nothing compared to fourth, but that's... Because I I hadn't actually played 5e until recently. Uh, I say recently, like two years ago, maybe. Mm. A year and a half. And is that know. with the, the game that you're currently... Kind of, it, or yeah, did yeah. We... The first yeah. chapter of that game closed. And it wasn't even the first chapter of that game. It was the, just the first chapter of that game that I was in. Because that game is a splinter game. <laughs> because mm. my current DM juggles way too much. Uh, I don't think he's doing that so much just now. At one point, he was juggling way too much because we took a break from 5e and started playing the Star Trek Adventure system. Uh, and I think, as an adult, my favourite character that I have ever played, so far, I have another character in my head that I'm desperate to play, but I just don't have a long-form situation to play him in. Uh, mm. But... Yeah, I have this half Klingon engineer woman, and she is f- fantastic. Like, she is so much fun to play, um, because she says all the things that I think in real life that I don't get a chance to say uh-huh. because I'm too nice, yeah. <laughs> or I'm too, I'm, you know, I I don't want to upset people. I'm I'm confrontation. Um, mm. obviously, as an adult, I've got better at dealing with that. Um, but I, I don't enjoy it. It's a, a situation that puts me in a lot of stress. And it's nice to just play someone who doesn't care. 
she just doesn't care at all about how other people think of her. She's just got a job to do and she's going to do it. She's not a bad person. She's just very to the point. Um, and I like when you, you make a character like that almost unintentionally. You just go, well, this is what I'm intending to do. And then it ends up being so much more than you ever thought. Um, yeah. Um, the, the thing, I, like, I mean, I love character gen. I think I think you you know that. Oh, based yeah. Based on the, there, are, there are little <laughs> character gen that we had. Um but um like it's probably one of my favorite parts of the thing but uh, what i think i love even more than building the character is then learning the character after when you're in a, a yeah you like suddenly realize game, like, who that character is yeah because you do you have this like preconception of what your character is going to be it's like oh they're going to be like this and she's going to do this and she's going to do that and then you play her like nope it's completely different actually yeah because my, um, my D D elf my alien elf girl as i call her uh, the alien elf girl. Well, she's an alien elf girl. <laughs> she's got green <laughs> skin and everything, Callum. I finally got to play the elf with weird skin. Finally! Finally! My dreams have come true! 14-year-old Claire finally got her day. Uh, but no, because that character was meant to be really kind of huffy and stuff, and she ended up being this like really cutesy, uh, like adorable person who gets really scary and creepy in combat. She's a rogue, so it's like sneak attack. You do tons of damage. Um, and I love that. Like, I love playing her too. I just, I don't know. Playing characters is great. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, like, uh, going back to the, the you love character gen. I love character gen. It's the best. It's so much fun. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and um... I think that's why I will never actually play Traveller. I knew you were going to say traveler. Well, because... yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you can't you can't talk about character gen and not talk about traveler, I guess. Well, character gen and traveler is just the whole thing for me. Um, yeah. My first experience of traveler was actually the Amiga game Mega Traveler, which is Mega just traveler. traveler yeah. It's my it's only just experience traveler. of traveler. Um, um, and then character gen, you go through it. You uh, roll a bunch of stuff. You enlist in a military organization. Um. And different stuff can happen to you. It's like the life path system, I think they call it. Like, oh, your life path. Um, yeah. But at the end of character gen, you can be dead. You can die on the operating table. You can die in service. Um, it's just brilliant. You can end it and be 75. And it's great. <laughs> it's so good. It's genuinely, like, I, I don't think I could play a game of Traveller anyway. Mm. Um, it's too much. But, yeah, oh. Character gen is just amazing. And actually, do you know what? Like, I wouldn't even like just do like, let's build characters and traveler. I would just load up an emulator and play Mega Traveler. Here's a question, Callum. We haven't played in games together very often. Actually, I think given no. how close we are and how much we talk, I think that's weird that we've only been in a handful of games. It is quite weird. Um, it is very weird actually. We're like none of the the groups that we're in are like they don't overlap so much. They don't overlap it so much. They have in the um, past, at briefly, all. Yeah. but um, like, mm-hmm. as we said, that was like a four-session yeah. thing. Um, and... What is your favorite thing that we've ever played in together? Because I know what mine is. Ooh. I know exactly what mine is, and it's potentially the worst one we've ever played in together. By worst, I mean the biggest clusterfuck ever. Um, I think. Uh, do you know what? Um, I'm gonna. 
say my favorite my favorite um like tabletop rpg that we have played together was at your house okay um i can't remember if it was like was it a was it a birthday it was, a birthday. It was a, whatever it was, it was and or was, was it, was it the birthday Year? and um our our friend um ran us a one shot and i played a druid um was it D&D? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what game you're talking about. And it had, like, zombie turkeys in it or yeah, something. Yeah, and it just got really ridiculous. And I was like, oh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, because uh, I played a character with the surname Fleury. I'm a huge That's Vegas Golden right. Knights fan. And my character was a Golden Knight with the That's surname Fleury. Right. That's right. Sir Fleury. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, um, that, that was a lot of fun. That was really my, fun. My favourite game that we've ever played in together, my favourite tabletop role-playing game, was um, Shoris's Oh no, I forgot all about that! No, no, I changed my mind! <laughs> that was the best thing! That was, right, okay. That was the uh, best game, no, hands down, not even just with the best game I've ever been in. I have never had that much fun. I wasn't even drunk. Like, we, I, I, it was just... It was madness! The stars aligned for the most ridiculous experience. And I'm not sure Shoris was prepared. No. Um, poor Shoris. But um, oh. no, actually, yeah, I take it back. That is my... F- I forgot all about it. It's not that I forgot about it, because I don't... I don't put that in the same category, because that was... I don't think there has been or will ever be a game like that again in no. my life. Um. It's uh, we were playing. Uh, I think it was, it was Vampire the Masquerade. Yep. Whatever edition out of the four billion editions there are. I love Vampire. Um, it's so campy. It's great. I play. <laughs> I played uh, Doctor Le Frum de Luge. <laughs> Le Frum de Luge. Uh, <gasps> who, first of all, um, mechanically was rubbish. Uh, I went like it just couldn't do anything. Um, and like try yeah, to yeah, like... but we made our characters in like ten minutes. Yeah, that's true. Um, you played. I can't remember your character's name, but you were a, a romance not Antoinette, the romance novelist. Yeah, yeah, the romance novelist who became a vampire. Um, <laughs> and she just basically, there were three players in the DM, and the other character who was in it, played by our dear friend Kate. Yes. Um. Much love to you, was Kate, this by the way. like feral um, demon child thing, and the Doctor Callum's character was obsessed with with this this crazy demon child thing that um, he wanted to like take it away, yeah, and experiment to, on like, them, you know, like take it apart and see how it worked, and like it just. My character saw this and was like, "Oh, I ship yep. it. I ship that." And it doesn't matter um, what we did, anything we did. We were just like, and you were just like, oh. I'll let you say it. It's so romantic. <laughs> oh, it was so good. We had like Kate's character running about, being crazy, and like trying to kill werewolves. Yep. We had you constantly going, "Haha, I will scheme," and I will, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh, so romantic." Think, um. You know that the same, not the same lines or the same <laughs> character dialogue, but uh, you know, and 
Avatar The Last yes. Airbender, the episode with the Ember <gasps> Island players and the actress that's playing yes. Katara. And her, oh, I can't stop tear bending. That is it what was, it was like. It was, it was so just... ridiculous. And like, I mean, I don't know how Shores, man. I, like, honestly, like halfway through, I thought Shores no. was going to be like, right, we're done. <laughs> she managed to corral us I out know. of that house somehow and into a car. How did we survive? We we had like, Kate, she was like um, antagonizing the, the werewolves and trying to get them to us yep. essentially oh it was oh, ridiculous man. um i've never laughed that much in my entire life it was brilliant but that was, that a, was a really game. good game um and like i what well, i think shoris um bless her soul like prepared actually quite a bit and we did literally nothing oh yeah none of the stuff that she had like ready for us no, no. um and not it's data. not like and it's not like um the usual case of like oh loads of other stuff happens no we we entered we entered a house really badly i think we tried to like ju- like i tried to jump in the window and like really i just kind of fell on my ass <laughs> um, that's right and oh it was oh, brutal man. and got into the house eventually had a wander around and like that's it werewolves attacked and um, Kate's character, the feral beast, just tried to take on all these werewolves by herself. It did not work. Didn't work. Um, I'm pretty sure we had to run away. We did have to run away. We were trying to run away and we're like, oh, what are we doing? Oh, man. We managed to get outside and get to a car and that was it. <laughs> like, yeah. three and a half hours. <laughs> Mostly, Mostly laughing, laughing, to be fair. Um, and I think um, Shor is just standing there going, Why? Why? Yeah. That was so good. I'm trying to think of other systems I've played. Um. Um. Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Okay, yeah. We we did a short stint of Dragon Age, and we very we, very brief. We will um be resuming. Or yeah, yeah, for sure. Doing a new um Dragon Age at some a different, point. Different. Yeah, yeah. Different. Totally different. Like I've written a bunch of new stuff. It's gonna be great. Got new characters. Yeah. Um, totally different plans, but yeah, it's it's an interesting system. I quite liked it, like um, the brief thingy that we played. I quite enjoyed it, but I think you know, um, we didn't have time to get like nitty and gritty with the system, get our teeth mm. sunk into it because well, I mean, most of the, I mean, I'm I'm bad. I don't think we ever did. Yeah, I d- I don't think we ever did any combat or anything. No. I, I think a lot of it was you guys milling around, really. Yeah, um, I jumped a fence. Yeah, broke into a kitchen. Spoke into a kitchen, tried to really smoothly like ping a coin at the the the, the woman. That's right. Oh <laughs> man. Um, what's your favorite race to play in Dragon Age? <laughs> Lol, in Dragon Age, I just mean uh... in, like RP in general. I just said Dragon Age because I have Dragon Age on the brain and in the heart. I have multiple answers to this. Um, if you asked me. Probably from the age of four to the age of, like, 18, I would be an elf every time. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was, I was very, like, elves, elves are great. I was um, in video games, in a game called Dungeon Siege 2, I also played the elves. 
Um, I never went to Knights. I was always an elf. Uh, all these games, and then every every game that I played, apart from, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, apart from the D and D board game, which you didn't have choice of what your things were. Um, so yeah, I was I would always be an elf. Nowadays, I tend to I don't have a favorite race. Um, I like going for kind of weirdish races um like in the last um 5e game that i played i played a kalish tar which um they're really good actually they're awesome um they're just uh basically they're like weird humans that have been touched by something or other um and they're like severed from the plane of dreams so they can't dream but they have like resistance to psychic and various other things interesting uh, yeah uh, she was a she was a kalishtar um celestial warlock awesome um also if uh, anyone loves playing warlocks you should play a celestial warlock they are amazing sounds um, like a lot of fun but yeah um great fun um because they've got like you know free ranged heals and oh it's great and warlocks warlocks are just warlocks um but yeah, no, I tend to go for something that I, I look at and go, I think I fancy that as opposed to like going, I like, I like. I would play only this race. Um, but yeah. I guess the, I guess the actual answer would probably be elf anyway. Like if I had to go, um, you have to play this race forever. I'm like, oh, I'll play elf because they are just, you know, everything but slightly better. <laughs> um, I have only ever really played elves. <laughs> I played half elves. Um. I like a, a good half elf. Oh, half elf um, as well, yeah. No, um. as I said, when I was growing up, probably right up until more recently, like in the last five, six years, all my elves were like the the stereotypical tall, like I am an elf. You know what you imagine about elves, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what everybody in the world imagines about elves, but um, yeah, and then. I played an elf in 13th age who was nothing like anything I'd played before. Um, She was short and grumpy and she hung out with dwarves. Um, And she was a cleric. She had a giant hammer. It was great. Um, And I really loved her. Um, And that kind of broke that, like, I'm only playing elves thing. Because I played a dwarf in a one-shot. I played a gnome in a one-shot. Um, but my my most recent D and D character has been an elf again, um, and mm-hmm. she's great. I love her so. Um, but I've got a character kicking about in the back of my head who's a half elf, um, and he's he's gonna come out one day. Uh, he has to. I have too many ideas. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but yeah, going back to when we were kids. Just rewind all the way back to when we were kids. Yep, 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 yep. There was a game that my parents had long before I was born. It was a board game called Sorcerer's Cave. Okay. And I know they used to play it with one of my older cousins. Um, and she's like in her 40s. So she's quite a bit older than me. Um, She and my parents used to play this game. And so did me and my brothers. Um, 
And it's basically this game where you get uh, little cards uh, and you pick from the cards what you are. You can be a woman. You can be a man. You can be a thief. You can be a warrior. And there's all these other ones. Um, and then there are cards that you have that are like treasures or monsters um, or creatures. And essentially what happens is you shuffle, you have these cards and they're tiles, but they're all rectangles. And you shuffle them like you would a deck of cards, turn them upside down, and then put them randomly down and make a map. Okay. And each turn, you get a new rectangle of the map. Uh, and you pick... I can't remember exactly how it works, because I haven't played it since I was about 10 or 11. But you pick a random card from the stuff pile. So, like, it could be a monster, it could be um, treasure, it could be... The one I always remember is a unicorn. And if you're playing as the woman, the unicorn will be friendly towards you and okay. speak to you. But if you play a man or anything, no, no. Unicorns don't like those stinky men. Um, but yeah, like we played that a few times and I remember really enjoying it. And I'd love to get my hands on it again. Mm. It sounds um, really good, actually. I might, I'd be see if I can try and find it. Yeah, it's like... Um, Definitely was inspired by the initial, because it's from the 70s. It's an old, 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 like, uh-huh. I think it would probably be quite difficult to get now. Because <laughs> um, mm. the copy we had, we stopped playing it because it just fell apart. Like, cards went missing and the box broke and everything went everywhere. Uh-huh. But no, it was a lot of fun. I remember having a lot of fun with it. Um, and the other formative D&D experience was something I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast which was uh, eye of the beholder 2 oh, which course, was essentially yeah. dungeons and dragons the video game and i would say that all those gaps where i wasn't playing tabletop role-playing games i was playing role-playing games on the computer the i amiga. suppose actually yeah i was the same well um maybe not the amiga games but i was playing you know <laughs> dungeons Thieves 2 and neverwinter nights and baldur's gate and baldur's gate um, yeah. That's something I probably should have mentioned last week, Baldur's Gate, but um, actually could oh, do yeah, a for whole sure. episode on Baldur's Gate, um, to be honest. <laughs> I never finished Baldur's Gate 1, ever. Uh, I started playing Baldur's Gate 2 and I never finished that either. I'll need to go back, because I, I think I got quite far through the first one. I never ever finished it, though. Um, it got really hard, and I was quite young when I was playing that, because uh, I used mm. to play that on my brother Christopher's PC. He's like our tech guy in, in our family. Every family has a tech guy. Um, and ours is Christopher. And he has first computer they ever had that was his. Um, he played Baldur's Gate. He also played um, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Um, he, he, I used to, actually, that was something I really loved about coming down to yours, is that Christopher would let me borrow a game. And I'd take it back up. And I'd use, um, what was it? What was it called? Alcohol 52... Um, <laughs> wow. The to so that I could give it back to him, but I could still play the game. Um, mm. I could probably talk for a year about Kotor and how much I love it. But um, Kotor's I, a great game. Yeah. Um, I actually only played it. I played a bit of it. Again, it was one of those ones that I never finished. Um, oh, I've finished it far too many times. It's actually embarrassing. Um, 
See, How many times me, I've game, played through it? For me, that game is uh, Dragon Age. Because yes. I actually feel on some level Dragon Age is like a spiritual successor to KOTOR. Because they're made by Bioware. They're both Bioware mm -hmm. games. Um, and I think the original Dragon Age Origins is kind of the last Bioware game that feels like that. Like, there's just a feeling. See, between KOTOR, uh, Baldur's Gate, and Dragon Age, they're completely different games, but I get the same feeling from them yeah. every time I play them. They're like just that kind of game and if i want that feeling that's the games i need to play to get mm -hmm. that but um, my brief my brief um experience so far with dragon age is that it does feel very it, it doesn't no it doesn't feel the same as kotor but it does have i don't know you feel like that you have that sort of like oh okay the the, the entire world does exist here mm. um that i that i get with oh yeah KOTOR for sure and with Baldur's gate as well but Kotor is totally different. Like it's a completely different setting, and they've done completely different things with it. But as I said, there's just a thing. There's just some mm. commonality there. Uh, I can't place my finger quite, but it is there. Um, but I've completed Dragon Age Origins more times than I can count. Um, because I initially had it on the Xbox, and then. I got it on the PC when I got my PC, and I didn't get a proper gaming desktop until 2011. Uh-huh. Um, and before that, I played it on the Xbox, and I don't want to know how many hours I racked up on that <laughs> Xbox account. Oh, man. Oh, It'd probably dear. be embarrassing. Um, But between, like, Z and the Xbox, I probably spent, like, years of my life playing. Just looking, just like, yep, yep. This is a this is a you know a young person's lifetime. Yep. <laughs> I've played oh, that game more years than that child has been alive. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I still go back and play oh, it. Dear. I love Dragon Age. So good. Um. But yeah. as I said, I... I'm I'm the same as Kotor. I I go back and play. It. I actually have it um, installed. I was playing it not that I tell long you ago. what. I'll stream me playing Kotor if you stream you playing Dragon Age. Okay. Done. <laughs> Deal. Let's do it. We won't. We won't stream at the same no, time no, because, no. you know, gotta get those numbers. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those people listening um, and watching. And... All those dozens of thousands. <laughs> dozens of things. A thousand dozens. Ah, you mean the nobody that watches us stream? Actually, that's not true. You've had like a few viewers some of the times that I've played with you on stream. Um. Um. But yeah, that's us going yeah. off topic. Wow. Very off topic. Um, to bring it back, I guess like the last progression would be like games that we're currently in. Mm. Um, and uh, you're you're obviously in a five E game. I'm in a a game that's uh, off the system called Starfinder. And um, friendly advice to anyone in the world: never, ever, ever, ever play the Starfinder system. Why? Because garbage, it's utter garbage. Um, you'll probably you'll probably get a wee kick. Um, there's very akin to some of the Thirteenth Age, like weird rules where it's like, see this rule for this, and then you look at that rule and it's like, see this rule that you've just read for this. Like, uh, what? what? What do you mean? I've, like, I've, I'm going in circles to try and find this one. Weird... How does radiation work? It's like go see the poisons rules, and then you look at the poisons rules, and they make no sense to do with anything to do with radio and you're saying like why on the flip side of that everyone out there 
in the universe, all all you know, millions of you that that, that hear this, play the Starfinder setting, because the yeah, whoever was in charge of coming up with the world and all the lore and everything for that in the books are, wow, it's so good. It's one thing. It's so good. It's just there's this system attached to it that sucks. That's a shame. That's a real shame. It's it's a real shame. Uh, and that's like, you know, it's the only reason that kind of battling through it is because we avoid doing a lot of the system stuff anyway. We don't run a lot of combats. There's not a lot of them. Um, the skills list is a bit rubbish, um, very vague. Um, so we don't we don't tend to be using the system that much because like the, um, the actual lore and the, the world is amazing. I say world, galaxy, <laughs> I guess. Solar system um, is great. It's amazing. Um, and there's so much, um, and it's it's based like post um, Pathfinder. Uh, so it's um, you know Pathfinder in space essentially. Oh, it ties in with the Pathfinder Finder universe. That's great. Yeah, so it's like um, in Pathfinder you have this thing is the gap that happens after thing, and then after the gap you get the Starfinder universe, um, where one of the one of the planets has like been blown up for. Reasons because the gap, um, and it's been replaced with like a, a, you know, built space station thing. Um, so yeah, it is cool, and you do get all these like tie-ins if you've got like any sort of like Pathfinder lore knowledge. There is all these like little mm. tie-ins back to all that stuff. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. That sounds so fun. It's really fun. It's just, it just such a shame that the actual like mechanics of the system is garbage. Hmm. Um. The other system, I think I mentioned this briefly before, but the other system I'm playing in currently, but the same group that I'm playing in 5e with, uh, is Star Trek Adventures. Oh, yes. And I will say, it's not the best RP system I've ever played, but if you are someone who grew up with Star Trek, just likes Star Trek... I have never experienced feeling like I'm in Star Trek like that before. Uh huh. It's so good. It, it it evokes that feeling of oh, I'm in Starfleet and I'm this and I'm really smart. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've made more of my life than I have in real life. Uh, uh, I, I I'm very know. adamant to try it. Um, oh, you should definitely. It's so um, much fun. It looks fun. great. Um, and even like the way that tasks are completed and all of that. Uh, if you want to run like a high level diagnostic and stuff, you you have to, you know, concentrate on what you're doing and roll really well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we ran that through roll twenty and it was fantastic. It was just so good. Um, and I think that's part of why like the way that the system works in tandem with the setting. You know, talking about a system uh-huh. where the setting is great but the system doesn't work well with it. This is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I think the Star Trek Adventure system works fantastically with um, the setting, at least in the experience that I've had with it. Um, and it's just such a joy because Star Trek means a lot to me as a person. So I think it makes me like the character in that system better as well because I'm like, oh, but she's actually in Starfleet and she's, you know, she's just great. I love her. Um and I love the system. But yeah, I would recommend that. Definitely. I've chosen a long time to put pieces of 
You really did, Callum. I've been doing so well through the you whole have. thing. And it's just like, as soon as I put it in my mouth, it was silence. I was like, oh, no. Not this. <laughs> what have I, I done? knew it was going to happen eventually. Um, I knew. But I'll tell you what. This was really nice. So what I just ate is the onion marmalade and chili and garlic savory biscuit with Ooh. the chili cheddar. Space with a mouthful of chili meat. Um, I'm, I'm going to wash it down with my chili meat. The chili meat is fantastic, by the way. It's really good. Um, um, I suppose with that we should wrap we up. Should the review, gift we score. should review our thingy. Actually, no, I have one more question. Okay. Do you think that with the the sort of rise in things like Roll Twenty, um, like D and D Beyond and various other online thingies, do you think, um, I mean, obviously right now it's super popular because people can't go see each other, um. Mm. Uh, well, in this country, anyway. Yeah. Um, do you think, in the long term, that's going to have an effect on people's willingness to go to other people's houses when they can just do it at home? Or do you think uh, people will start, like, it's kind of the gateway drug to then more well, people will be meeting up at actual physical tables? In my opinion, being able to play online is great, right? Being able to play online has allowed me to play in games where I wouldn't actually be able to. Mm -hmm. Because, um, particularly with the group I play in at the moment, two of them live in England. And, as I said before, you're not always going to click with every single group. So if you find a group that you click with and you can play online with, fantastic. Do it. Go for it. But there isn't a feeling like playing in person. Like, RPing round a table is one of life's true joys. And as much as it's cheesy to say that, it's the truth. Like, that can kind of be mitigated if you play on video chat mm -hmm. with people. Um, but it's still not the same. Um, and I think when things go back to normal, a lot of groups will be looking to have in-person sessions. Mm -hmm. They might realise they like it better and just do it. Just stick with it. Go for it. Um, as I said, I just don't think there's anything that compares to playing in person, round a table, rolling real like dice that you can touch in your hands and feel and roll and hear. There is, like, the there clack. is something about rolling dice. Yeah, there is. There is to the point where some of the players in my D and D five E game roll dice physically. Uh huh. And if you know the DM goes, oh well, let me see. You know, you just shift your webcam and you show them. But um, that's never happened because our DM trusts us. It's a good group. You know, it's a high quality group. Mwahaha, um, the fool! <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, no, you, the, you, you, that that group sounds like the, the brief like encounters I've had talking to um, your GM and stuff. It's been such a nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's um, lovely. He's such a good guy. Solid. He's a gem person. of a person. Um, yes. <laughs> love you, Carlos. Um, but no, and it's a good group, and I'm glad I found them. But um, yeah, I, I don't think it will kill playing in person. Really, it won't. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the best way to play D&D. I feel like playing online is a substitute because you can't play in person. <laughs> it's the second option. It's not the first option. Never, never. 
Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I was just interested to see what you would. Um, yeah, I I don't think you'd take that because that's um because it is playing in person is the it is the way it, it's like well designed to be played. It feels better. Um, it feels like you're actually having like a group experience. You can. Um, I think you can bounce off the other characters better in person as well because you've got the ability to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got body language as well. You can kind um, of send secret messages to people with your eyes and they know what you mean, if you know what I mean. If, uh-huh. you're, in, if you're in that kind of group. Um, but I think that's the other thing. And I think it's something that people complain about a lot when it comes to Critical Role, for example. Um, people go on about how Critical Role's been bad because now everybody expects D&D to be a certain way when not all D&D's like that. And I guess that's true to an extent if it's someone who's never seen D&D being played before, has no concept. Um, if they sit down uh-huh. and watch, watch Matthew Mercer like DMing and those actual trained actors, uh, I suppose, I don't know if all of them are like trained actors, but they're all actors, you know? Um, so of course they're going to be good at RPing because that's what they do for a living, is well, yes. getting into the skin <laughs> of somebody else, you know? Um. But I, I think overall, the success of Critical Role and like um, Acquisitions Incorporated and, you know, all these other D&D streams that are going on, I'm not going to name them all because there's too many at this point. Far too many. Um, I don't think, like, I like Critical Role. I enjoy it, but it isn't for everyone. And it's just the same as actually playing the game too, you know? Uh, yeah. If you can't play a game, I recommend watching a stream because yeah, I find that I find it good when I'm on like a bit of a lull and I'm not playing games with anyone, which I haven't been for the last few months because I've had a baby, you know. Um, mm. so being able to watch other people play it, it's not as good as playing with other people, but you know. Yeah, I I kind of treat it in the same sort of um well regard of any sort of podcast or more more like audiobooks because mm. you've, you've got the the story part but you it's you know it's like an audiobook but you've got the director's commentary over it as well mm. <laughs> alongside so you've got so yeah um i i like you know when i'm like working or something doing mundane stuff like changing over the center and stuff like that, i will stick a either a D podcast on or um you know be a critical role or um whatever else the adventure zone i listen to quite a bit as well um things like that you it is good. It gives you that little little fix, and it does it also gives you like ideas. Ideas. On, on, I also think it's on, good to watch if you're new to D and D or tabletop role playing games. I think it's a great idea to watch a variety of different streams first, like watch a mm-hmm. few episodes of Critical Role, and then watch a few episodes of something else with a different DM, um, just to see to get an idea of what it is you want from a tabletop role playing game, because you can get so much different stuff from different games and different dms and different players and that'll give you a better idea of whether you're going to fit in with a group or not i think uh-huh. and it's not even about fitting in it's about how well that group works in that system with that dm <laughs> like yes and it isn't going to work um, every time no and you will you will have um absolute like you'll have horrible times and you, but you'll have like amazing times <laughs> oh I, I bet we've both had some rotten times playing role-playing um, games oh yeah um, definitely but um 
I think on the whole, it's always been a positive Positive, experience. yeah. Um, well, you learn from those negative times, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. You never um, just and, you close know, the book and go, right, that's it, no more, no more, never doing this again. I quit forever because this was shit. <laughs> it was utter garbage <laughs> and I hated it. Ah, uh, goodbye, sir. <laughs> oh. oh, man. On that note. <laughs> on that note. How um, would you rate your, um, out of 10, your, your chili mead? My chili mead from Lime Bay Winery, I'm going to give an 8.5 out of 10. I am. Um, I, you know what? I'm also going to give it an 8.5 because, quite frankly, that was smashing. Oh, so good. It's warming. Um, it's perfect for the winter. I'm getting some more of this definitely. around Christmas. I'm getting more of this for around Christmas because um, that, that was like. I can see myself sitting next to a fire and um, watching the snow that doesn't exist because I live right next to the sea. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> sipping on this and it's feeling nice and cosy. As much as I don't live next to the sea, I live very close to the mouth of the Clyde. And it's salty water in that beach. Yeah. Even though technically um, it's not the sea. Um, but we, we never get snow. Everywhere else around us gets snow, but we don't. It sucks. I love snow. It sucks and it doesn't. I love looking at snow from like the other side of a window snow next to the fireplace wonderful. with a dram. Yeah, snow's wonderful when you've got nowhere to go, but if you've got to drive up the Clisham and get to work... I, I hate it. It's awful. Um, having to deal with snow is awful. Mm. But I love I love snow as a concept, and especially if I just need to be in the house. There we go. That That's our setting. We're going to play um, a Frozen North setting <laughs> in D&D 3.5. Okay, I love it. And with that, good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you. I did it again, Callum. <laughs> I did it again. <laughs>